So today we have the same gospel reading as we did on Wednesday evening, and that's not an optical illusion. Um, last, the midweek Advent services over the last three weeks, we've looked at the fathers of Jesus, and uh, we ended with Joseph, and so this was the logical reading to have for Wednesday night. But uh, today is the appointed gospel reading for the fourth Sunday of Advent from Matthew chapter 1. And it, it, to me, it really illustrates the richness of God's Word, because you could take any one of these lessons uh, that are appointed and preach a whole series of sermons just on that one lesson. That's how rich and multifaceted the Word of God is. We bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning for your Holy Word. Speak to our hearts now the message of the Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, according to Dale Carnegie, who wrote the bestseller, How to Win Friends and Influence People, the sweetest and most important word in any language is your name. When someone calls your name, it cuts through all the other noise around you and it gets your attention. You hear your name more clearly than any other word spoken because from birth you've been conditioned to respond to that sound, the sound of your name. So question, how do you feel when someone remembers your name? Maybe you've not seen them in a while. Maybe you don't remember their name, but they remember yours. How do you feel? You might feel respected and important, and you should. On the other hand, when someone forgets your name, how do you feel? <laughs> Maybe slighted in some way. Maybe a little less important, though you're really not, but you may feel that way. That's how important and how powerful your name is to you. Do you know what your name means? What does your name say about you? Anything? Well, your name certainly says something about the parents who named you. Maybe your name conveys their aspirations, their hopes for you. Maybe they named you after someone whom they respect or something that's important to them. Your name speaks of those kinds of things. Names do many things, but above all, they reveal something about you. Your first name reveals something about your parents who named you. Your surname, your last name, reveals your ancestry. So Roman number one in your sermon outline, page nine, Names reveal. Names reveal. They are a means of revelation. And that's especially true in Holy Scripture. Names can reveal a person's character in the Bible, a person's background, and they often reveal God's aspirations for that person. For example, Adam, the first man, it's taken from the ground. He's made from the soil. God forms him from the, the dust of the earth, right? 
and the ground is the Adama, okay? So Adam, or Adam, is taken from the Adama, the ground. Abram means exalted father, and God renames him Abraham, father of many nations. It describes God's hopes for Abraham. Hannah is from the Hebrew word chen, uh, which means grace or favor. Uh, Joanna, all the John names, Ivana, and so on, uh, simply mean the Lord or Yahweh is gracious. And Peter, Petros, uh, rock. Okay? So names reveal something about the biblical character. Roman numeral two. Jesus, what his name means. Now, uh, in Hebrew, Yeshua. And it, it, it really can be translated, O Lord, help. O Lord, save. Deliver. And, and by the way, it's what Jewish women in labor would cry out, you know, just as you and I, if, if we're going through some trauma, we'll say, oh Lord, help. Even if we don't verbalize it, it's, it's the cry of our heart. Jesus means, oh Lord, save, help, deliver. And that's the literal meaning of Jesus' name, but the angel in our gospel reading for this morning expands on that. He gives more meaning to that name Jesus. He says, you, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus for or because he will save his people from their sins. Now, we, we hear that phrase, we, we hear it every Advent, he shall save his people from their sins, that's the meaning of his name. We hear it so often, it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. Let's break down the phrase that clause, and take a look at it. What's the angel saying? Letter A. This doesn't come through in the English translation, but it's in the Greek. He himself, that reflexive pronoun, himself, and it's, it's emphatic, it's at the very front of that clause. He himself will save his people from their sins. Now, why does that matter? See, it's pointing to Jesus. He himself will do this. Only God can save. Only God can forgive sin. Because he's the party that's always offended. You may be offended by someone's sin, but God even more. So he alone can forgive. And if Jesus is doing that, what does that suggest about him? You know, Jesus does not go around saying, I am God. Because anyone bearing witness to himself looks like a shameless self-promoter. Instead, Jesus goes around doing things only God can do. And he allows us to connect the dots and believe. Letter B. He himself will save his people from their sins. Now, that is to say, Jesus doesn't just forgive sin. He doesn't just relieve you of its guilt. That's what's, what forgiveness does. It relieves you of the guilt of sin. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes further. In addition to removing your sin, Jesus also removes the consequences of your sin, which is death, which, which includes death. Not only does he remove your sin, 
He reverses the effects of sin by raising you up on the last day. Now that is saving you. Salvation is a total package, and forgiveness is but one part of that total package. Salvation is the whole deal. He will save you from sin and its consequences. Letter C. Notice this. He will save his people from their sins. Now, God saves you as an individual, but he saves you as an individual to a group. To a group. Now, before Jesus, there were only two groups of people on earth. There were the Jews, and there was everyone else, the Gentiles. That's a biblical division of humanity until Jesus. But Christ's saving work results in a new group of people, a a third group of humanity, and that is his people, his church, composed of both Jew and Gentile, male and female, rich and poor, slave and free. God saves you individually, but he saves you to his group, to his church. Letter D. And this is important. Well, it's all important, but I'm going to emphasize D. Okay. He himself will save his people from their sins. Their sins. The angel does not say that Jesus will save us from the sins of others. He will save us from our sins. Jesus rarely, if ever, speaks of the sins of those outside the church. He repeatedly speaks to us in his word about our own sins and our own need to repent. And this is what Peter meant when he wrote in his first letter, judgment begins with the household of God. It begins with us, the judgment. He will save his people from their sins. That means Jesus calls us daily to repent so that we will not have to answer for our sins on the last day. The church proclaims salvation from sin and death, its consequence. Not salvation from political oppression or economic oppression. And we differ with some others on that. Some in the church and some outside the church disagree with me. They assume that salvation from sin is unimportant. It's irrelevant today. Therefore, to be relevant, they say the church must turn its attention to liberating people from political and economic oppression. Now, here's the problem with that. Focusing on political and economic oppression always involves demonizing others. It always does. And so as a result, you focus on the sins of others, whether they are real or imagined, and that distracts you from your own need to repent. And that's how Jesus would talk to you. Don't look at them. Look at you. Jesus teaches us that our worst enemy is ourselves, not some oppressor. I do far more damage to myself than anyone else can. It's not what others do to me that get me into trouble with God. It's my sinful response to what others do and say that gets me in trouble with God. 
And that, by the way, is the source of my deepest regrets. It's not the sins of others that send me to hell. My own sins do that very well. Notice, he will save his people from their sins. In other words, I need someone to save me from myself. Roman numeral three. Jesus, why his name matters, or why it should. Letter A. His name creates our response. It creates our confession. God with us. He is God with us. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they, notice they, the people of God, that's you and me, shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, we've, we've already said the name Jesus means, O Lord, save, O Lord, deliver, O Lord, help, right? But the angel goes on to say what Jesus will save us from. That's our sins. And only, only God can do that. So our response to the revelation of his name is that this man, this human being, is Emmanuel. He is God with us. That's our confession. And let her be. If he's with us, where is he with us? The presence of Jesus is God's saving presence, not his condemning presence. You know, that's, that's another matter. But his saving presence is with the community. With the community. Matthew 1.23, they, meaning the community, shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then, leapfrog to Matthew 18, verse 20. Jesus says, where two or more gather in my name, there I am in the middle of them. Where they gather in my name, there I am in their midst. And then go to the very end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28, 20. What does he say to his disciples now who are gathered around him before he ascends? I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you. He's God with us, you see. Jesus is the saving presence of God. And where do you find him? You don't find his saving presence just anywhere you choose. You find him where his people gather in his name. That's where he promises to be. That's where he promises to be present in a saving way. Oh yeah, you can encounter him out there anywhere, but not in a saving way. You find him in a saving way where his word is preached in his truth and purity and where the sacraments are administered according to Christ's institution. That's where you find the forgiving God. Letter C, his names identify us. They identify us. They identify us. <laughs> okay, let me emphasize it correctly. His names inform us of who we are. If his name means, O Lord, save, then we are those who believe in his name and are saved. If he is Emmanuel, God with us, then we are those who gather around him and proclaim him such. If he is the good shepherd, then we are his sheep, for whom he has laid down his life. If he is the true vine, then we are his branches, and he supports us and he nourishes us. 
If he is the way or the path, then he is the only means by which we come to the Father. My friends, names are powerful things. When you hear your name called, it commands your attention in a way other words will not. Your first name, your middle name, and your last name all reveal truths about you. However, your names, as important as they are, are not nearly as important as Jesus' names. His names reveal not only who he is, his names reveal who you are in relation to him. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.